All right, welcome to another week of Teeing Off. I'm Arjun McCullough. Just got back from Hilton Head a couple days ago. That was a good trip. I'm going to go over that a little bit. Uh, what else am I going to talk about? I'll talk about the Masters. I'm not going to go into it too much, obviously, because that was a couple weeks ago. And I don't want to bore anyone. So I'm just going to touch on that a little bit and then uh, touch on this week a little bit too as well. So let's go. Uh, first things first, I do have to mention... The Leafs finally won last night, so we're back in it, baby. We're back in it. 2-1. Game number four goes uh, Thursday, so looking forward to the ra- to that. The Raptors going tonight, so hopefully they can uh, improve their lead in the first round to two-zip. Uh, back to golf, though. Um, yeah, as I mentioned, I was at the RBC Heritage last week, all week. Uh, well, I went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Um, drove down there, left uh, about 4 a.m. Saturday. Uh, drove for, I don't know, eight hours, ten hours or so, stopped to watch the Masters for a few hours, and then, uh, back on the road, basically drove into, planned on stopping a few hours outside of Hilton Head for the night, and then, um, finishing the drive the next day, because we didn't have access to the condo until Sunday, but, uh, just kept driving through, because we were making good time, so we got a hotel in Hilton Head, and then, uh, Sunday, just went to the new place once we got it, and, uh, yeah. It was nice. Uh, I stayed there with my mom. My mom went with me for the week. I went last year with my girlfriend. Yeah, I went with my mom. Had a lot of fun. It was a good time. Um, drive went well. The weather when we first got there wasn't the best. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, as um, if you read my blogs, you'll see that. Uh, quick side note, I would ask anyone that's listening to this, to please read uh, my blogs from the week. I think it's some of the best work I've done. Um, still getting ahead of the podcast thing, obviously, but I think writing... Um, is, is sort of my strong suit, and uh, dig, I got a lot of really good interviews. I'm not going to put them all in here because uh, that'll take up a long time, but uh, I'll drop in a couple of my favorite ones. I uh, got some big names, but on the week I spoke to Corey Connors. Uh, he's a Canadian guy, really, really nice. Uh, I actually met his fiance on the last couple holes we were following on Friday, hoping he would make the cut because uh, he was so nice at this time with me earlier in the week. And uh, a couple weeks ago, obviously, he was... Um, in the lead going into the final round at, I believe it was the Valspar when uh, Paul Casey won, but Tiger finished second. Um, so we had a bit of a tough weekend then. But um, So I, he kind of popped on my radar then, and uh, not going to lie, that day I was rooting for Tiger, not him. But uh, since meeting him and following all week and then walking a few holes with his fiance, they're just the nicest, nicest people. Uh, you would never know that they're millionaires. I don't know if Corey's a millionaire at this point, but he's well on his way. Um, he stopped and talked to everyone. He signed autographs. He was really, really nice at the time. Took a, they took a picture with me. Um, so I d- couldn't say enough th- nice things about Corey. Another really good, nice Canadian. I spoke to David Hearn about um, his time broadcasting the Masters. He had some interesting things to say about that. But uh, Nick Taylor, he was donating $500 for every birdie and $1,000 for every eagle to Humboldt. Yeah, I decided to do uh, this week. Uh, for every birdie, it's gonna be five hundred dollars to the to the GoFundMe or charity, and then a thousand dollars for Eagle. So, hopefully, to make as many birdies as possible. Uh, he he only ended up making he missed the cut, didn't have his best week. He had uh, four birdies total, so two thousand dollars in a week that he made no money. He's donated two thousand dollars plus all the other expenses. So, really, really nice gesture for Nick. Um, he's actually in the field again this week in 
D'Antonio. So uh, I'm not sure if he's going to be doing that again, but uh, just just a really nice gesture from him. Uh, I spoke to Ollie Schneider Jans. Joined by Ollie Schneider Jans, Schneider Hands. How do you say that? Schneider Jans. Uh, he's just finishing up his Monday Pro Am. Uh, do you prefer to play the Monday Pro Am or the Wednesday Pro Am? I always play the Wednesdays this year, so uh, the reason I'm playing this this one is I took three weeks off, so I wanted to kind of see the course a couple times, and the weather doesn't look good tomorrow. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've always wondered, I'm going to say you have majestic hair, but why no hat? I just stopped wearing a hat when I was when I quit baseball. I used to, when I was a kid, I didn't like seeing the bill, mm-hmm. and it just kind of became my thing, and I wanted to keep it going. Okay. Uh, you were born in Dallas, yeah? Yeah. And were you like any sports teams out there? I was born in Dallas, but my family's from Boston. I lived in Boston briefly too, but grew up really in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a Boston sports fan because my whole family is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so are you a Bruins fan? Because yeah. I'm from Toronto and we're about to play, so I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> uh, Okay, so you've had a pretty good year. You had 11 cuts, five top 25s. Um, at the waste management, you came third. What's it like with that crazy crowd there in contention? Yeah, it's really fun. It's a crazy tournament. I really like the golf course, and it's kind of one of those weeks that you just got to uh, stay focused and enjoy it and kind of embrace it because it's different and uh, the people are crazy. I think Saturday was the wildest day I've ever been on a golf course. So uh, it was a great week for us. Okay. Uh, you turned pro in 2015. What's the what have you learned the most? Like what's been the biggest uh, learning curve from joining the PGA Tour? I think uh, playing the golf courses and learning, you know, when when and how to be, you know, conservative or aggressive, and you know what kind of scores you got to shoot under certain conditions, and just what it takes to to compete at the highest level. Uh, what it takes um, mentally and with your game as well. Just kind of being around it and competing so much, you learn what it's going to take and what you got to be able to do and what maybe you don't have to be able to do and uh, managing your game. Okay. Uh, what's the best part, would you say, of being on the tour and maybe something that people don't understand that's maybe kind of negative about being on tour? To me, the best part is just knowing you're playing against the best in the world every week and you're playing at the highest level for the most amount of money. So that's the best part um but also you're playing great golf courses um but uh the difficult you know it's a it's a lot of work that it's not a nine to five it's you know it's actually a lot a lot more hours than that even so i have a lot of days that are 7 a.m to 8 p.m and then you got to get up and do it again so it's a lot of mental you know energy and physical um but if you balance your weeks on and off, uh, I really, really enjoy it. I get, I get excited to get back out here after you know a couple weeks off. Okay. Um, How did you get into golf? When did you first like break par and kind of think, oh man, I can actually do something with this? First got into it, uh, I was 12, and I just, I was able to get, you know, have huge improvements my first two years, and I was able to. You know, shoot really low scores within about two years of playing, breaking par all the time, and uh, at my home course and type of courses. You know, back home I was shooting really low in the 60s and stuff, and um, I just committed myself to to doing this with my life. So, kind of as soon as I decided I was going to do this, it's kind of been the case. Okay, awesome. Um, I'll try and wrap up here. If you could win one event on tour, what would it be? And where does this event rank in terms of your favorite events? I would love to just win any event okay. and yeah. get my first win. Anywhere would be incredible. 
Uh, the best tournament I could win on tour would be the Players' Championship. Okay. Um, other than, you know, winning a major, that's the, that would be the ultimate uh, first win would be, you know, I'd love to have my first one be here anywhere, uh, but players would be really cool too. The man with the amazing majestic hair, uh, he was really nice. He asked me, I saw him on the, it was Tuesday, he was finishing up, or sorry, it was the Monday. He was finishing up his, there was a Monday Pro-Am and a Wednesday Pro-Am. He chose to go in the Monday one. Uh, so I saw him finishing that up in the ninth tee. I asked if I could speak to him after his round for a few minutes, and he said, oh, just come do it now. So I popped in the ropes and uh, asked him a few questions while we were walking down the fairway. That was a lot of fun. And yes, as I mentioned, his hair looks just as good, if not better, in person. It's like molded to his head. It's very, very nice hair for Ollie. Um, he said he doesn't wear a hat because... The, he doesn't like the look of the brim in front of his eyes, but I mean, if you got that kind of hair, you're not covering that shit up. Um, so yeah, I also spoke to Martin Keimer, super nice, uh, super nice, just as everyone says. Um, his accent's nothing, nothing crazy in person. You were in the Masters last week. What were your takeaways from that? Well, it was. I think this year was playable because it was uh, such bad weather on, on Saturday or Friday night already. So I think it was very doable, um, especially over the weekend. So. But it was nice to see, you know, Patrick Reed winning. The way he played, he really deserves the green jacket, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, with this weather, any thoughts of bringing out the scarf this week? Are you like to rock nah. that scarf? Well, no? hopefully, hopefully it doesn't stay like this. That we that we don't need it this week. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, what I got here? Um, see, I haven't been much on the PGA Tour this year. Have uh, been injuries or just playing on the European Tour? No, I had I had a couple of injuries, so I had to take four weeks off um, prior the the Masters. Um, so now I'm going to play a few more in America. I play this week, next week, and then Charlotte and TBC Sawgrass. Okay. Um, you have kind of adapted to the U.S. a bit. Do you have any favorite sports teams or anything you love here over here in the U.S.? Well, I like to go to NBA games and, and ice hockey. I like mm-hmm. that. I've never, never been to a football game and never been to a baseball game. So the football game is still still on my list. Okay. I'm Canadian, so I'm happy to hear you like okay. hockey. Sounds good. Um, you get, when did you get into golf, and when did you first know you were going to be pro? And I'll leave you with that. Um, I started playing when I was 10 years old. My dad he introduced me mm-hmm. to golf, my, my brother and me. And then turning pro, I was pretty sure about it when I was maybe in 2003, 2004. And then I played a qualifying school in 2005 in Europe. And then I won the first stage and then I played quite decent. And then I thought maybe I could do a living out of that. Uh, Kevin Tway, David Herney mentioned, spoke to Stuart Sink. That was a bit of a bit of an interesting uh, interview because... At first, he was on my list of guys that I wanted to talk to. Um, and so at the start of the day, I actually tried to follow his group. To, to Usually the best way is to f- follow the guys as they're finishing up the round. So I tried that, but I couldn't figure out where he was on the course. Uh, I ended up seeing him later on the putting and chipping green. He was kind of rude to some kids, um, asking for autograph requests. Um, then him and David Hearn were leaving the putting chipping green area at the same time. I chose to speak to David Hearn because um, Stuart Sink just didn't look like he wanted to talk to anyone. So afterwards on the putting green, I asked Sink if I could speak to him when he was finished. He reluctantly said yes. Uh, I proceeded to wait well over an hour in the freezing cold for him, and then he just walked right off the green. <laughs> Luckily, I chased him down and got an interview, but it's a little, uh, I just, he, he has a reputation to be as, as being a nice guy, but that was, I don't know really what was going on. Maybe he has something going on his, at home or whatever the case may be, but didn't make the best impression on RJ, that is for sure. Uh, on the Wednesday, I spoke to DJ, not really one-on-one, because obviously DJ 
unless you're working for the Golf Channel or CBS or one of those things, chances of getting one-on-one with DJ are very, very slim. So I didn't even try. Uh, I tried at the Canadian Open, but learned my lesson. But I did talk to him in the media center. He held his uh, media uh, question interview thing, my Bob, whatever you want to call it. And I did get the chance to ask him a question there. Actually, two questions in one and then a bit of a follow-up afterwards. So that was cool. Bryson DeChambeau. I was, I've always been kind of on the fence about Bryson because he, without knowing him, there's that fine line between, like, is he a really smart, really well-intentioned guy or is he pretentious and talking down to people? Well, from meeting him, nicest guy. Nicest guy you'll ever meet. Uh, you've been out on tour for a decent amount of time, but I think a lot of people fell in love with you at the Arnold Palmer. Yeah. What, how much did it mean to you to play that well at that event? Uh, it's fantastic. I mean, Mr. Palmer's meant a lot to all of us out here on tour, not just me, but to be able to, to play well and compete with the best of them out there with Henrik and Rory and and all a bunch of other guys that were playing well at that time was fantastic and gained a lot of experience from that and then I gained a lot from Augusta too even though I didn't play my best so it's nice to know that I can make the cut and still kind of somewhat be there uh, when I'm not playing well. You mentioned the atmosphere playing with Rory, like around Rory and all those. What was that like? Kind of was it a lot different with Tiger in the mix? Were all those huge guys oh, in the mix? One hundred percent. Having having Tiger back kind of is pushing us to play a little better, even though um, you know he's still working to get back. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's a lot tougher competition now. I think. I think we're all learning so much with all the new technology out there that we're able to incorporate into the game so much more efficiently than 10, 15 years ago. Speaking of equipment, you famously all your clubs are the same length. Can you just explain a little bit behind that for people that aren't as like, huge golf fans? Yeah, they're just all seven iron lengths. Just think of every club as a seven iron with just different lofts. Um, that's kind of what I do, and I perform quite nicely with them, play well. Awesome. How did you get into golf? Uh, my dad was a PGA professional, and he had taught me the game when I was about three and then started taking it seriously when I was about ten. Is the Ryder Cup on your radar this year? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Would that be, like, would you rather win a major or play oh, in the Ryder win Cup? Win a major, yeah. sorry. I mean, that that's winning a major is always, like, winning a major gets you on the Ryder Cup. Okay. So. <laughs> and last question, if you could win any tournament, maybe outside one major and outside of a major? Oh, the Masters would be a major I'd want to win, and then outside of it, I mean, this week would be great, too. I uh, actually first... When I was pursuing Stuart Sink, I I was watching Bryson. This was my entertainment while watching Stuart. I was watching Bryson with his club guys, and they were just talking about, uh, you know, they were discussing his clubs and his, and uh, his, he was actually trying to find a new putter that he wanted to use. And uh, just the way he talks about golf is, Dustin Johnson said it best a few months ago, playing maybe a year ago, playing a practice round Bryson that he just can't do it because if he keeps listening to Bryson, he's not going to be able to hit a golf ball. The way that Bryson dissects everything, like one degree, they're talking about one degree, uh, they're talking about the angle of the putter, they're talking about if you move your thumb half an inch this way, half an inch that way. They're, they're t- he literally thinks of everything. His caddy carries around, I don't know what it is, but it's this top, like a, best way you can think of it, it's almost like a small like dreidel, 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 dreidel thing. And they stick it into the green and it measures the slope and everything all the way around the hole, around the green. So they obviously can't do this in a tournament, but if they do this in the practice rounds, Bryson just wants to know literally everything. He's definitely the most analytical guy, if not on tour, the most one that I've seen, that's for sure. So very interesting. I'm good for Bryson. I fell in love with Bryson's golf game as a person, really, really liked him, got a good interview with him, and then uh, spoke to him again and got a picture with him again on the Friday um, right after he... Finish this with the second round lead. So a guy that's in the lead taking time to answer questions and, and really just go out of his way to be a nice guy, that's 
that was really nice. Um, spoke to Davis Love the third, another great guy, uh, Ryder Cup captain. Obviously, he's won that event five times, so that was fun. Joined by Davis Love, former Ryder Cup captain, major champion, five-time winner here at the Heritage. How does it feel coming back here? I always love coming to Harbor Town, and uh, always love playing in the Heritage. So it's one of my favorite weeks on tour. A little extra special with your son here with you? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, he's playing about an hour behind me, so it's going to be uh, looking over my shoulder and pulling for him and trying to uh, play my own game. So it's going to be a fun week. How involved are you with Jim Furyk and the Ryder Cup and everything this year? I'm very involved, just doing whatever we can do to help Jim. And then obviously coming off of you know four or five of these, being captain or assistant captain, I've gotten to know the players real well. So I've kind of got my guys that I am keeping an eye on and taking care of. And then a few of our guys that are hopefully going to make it you know, new guys this year. I'm trying to, you know, pump them up. So, and whatever Jim needs, we're, we're ready to help him out. He's, he's helped me a lot over the last few years. So I'm happy to help him. Has that been the most rewarding part of your career that being on part of the Ryder cup and captain and all that, or would you say, you know, winning tournaments and all that? Well, the most rewarding is, is being a part of a team. You know, the guys that, are, you know, if they played one or they played 22, like Phil Mickelson, you know, it's, it's an honor to be on the team and be a part of it. And, um, you know, like we brought David Duvall in, one night in um, in Hazeltine, and he talked to the team, and you know he's always going to be a part of our team because we we won and lost together, and he's he's a great uh, you know fighter on on international competitions, and so it, it's always nice to be on the team, be a part of it, and then to be captain uh, makes it even more special. I remember reading about that. That was right after Brandel made those comments, and yeah. David came in and all that. Um, is there anyone on the U.S. team that maybe is a little misunderstood? Patrick Reed kind of comes to mind, but you've spent a lot of time in the room with these guys. So is there something someone understood or something about the PGA Tour that maybe guys just don't understand that aren't on it? I think all of our top players um, over the years have been misunderstood one way or another, you know, Tiger or Phil or um, David Duvall. Um, you know, they're, they are team guys. They're well-liked in the team room, and Patrick's right in there too. You know, everybody talks – about you know him being a loner and by himself, and he's become really one of the leaders on our team. You know, if Jordan Spieth takes Ladies you for, takes you for a teammate, you're a pretty good, pretty good guy to have around. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, uh, I'll get you out on this. Um, what what keeps you motivated now? And uh, do you have a favorite local restaurant or thing to do in the area? Um, well, my favorite thing to do is now take the granddaughter out onto the beach and fly kites and paddleboard. And um, but it's always been a great, a fun week for us, whether it's um, you know fishing or around the water or the, the local restaurant. So we're we're like uh, tourists except uh, during our tea time. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's awesome. And is there anything that keeps like what keeps you motivated to come out here now? Um, I I like to compete. Um, you know, I want to stay on the tour as long as I can. A lot because of Ryder Cup, Presidents Cups, but a lot to uh, I like to stay competitive. So eventually they'll chase me off to the Champions Tour, but I'm enjoying it out here for now. Sam Saunders, most people know him as Arnold Palmer's grandson. Uh, that was a funny interview as well. He was just packing up and uh, packing up as one of his buddies with pulling out some fishing rods and fishing tackle and bait and all this stuff and just talking fishing and he was nice enough to, I said, you know, when you're done, just if I could take out a few minutes, blah, blah, blah. And he, no, no, come on, let's do it now. And he was super nice, uh, super open. Uh, I mentioned Nick Taylor. I also interviewed Patrick Cantlay. Uh, he was my first podcast guest, actually. I had him on during the Canadian Open last year. Um, my questions, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was so super nervous when I was asking him. But this time, I came in prepared. Um, he's not the most outspoken person. Like, you kind of ask him a question, and sometimes they'll just be like, yeah. Or nope, and you gotta quickly think of another question. But in general, like uh, just 
he has that Cali vibe, just laid back. He's I'm still waiting for him to really break out because he's he's top ten talents on the PJ Tour in my opinion. Uh, and I spoke to Mark Leishman. That was interesting because as I'm waiting for him to come off the green, I see uh, a man well dressed. Let's say, eh, thirty five year old, uh, well dressed of Asian descent. He was standing behind the green with a big clipboard in his hand. And I look, and it has Mark Leishman's name on it, and across the top in all caps, mandatory drug testing. So I'm trying to get to Mark before this guy gets to Mark, because I know that once, and also keep in mind, Mark didn't have the best round going that day. It was the Thursday. So he just played his first round, didn't play that well. So I was already like, and eh, I don't know. And uh, <laughs> so... I did get to him first, but then right as I was asking for his two minutes and he was saying yes, the the tester, as I call him, made his presence known, and Mark wasn't very happy during the interview. He actually he, he gave fine answers and everything. It was just you could tell by his tone and he just a look in his eyes. Uh, he didn't really want to be doing the interview, so that's fine. I completely understand that. Um, I spoke to Webb Simpson, really really nice down to earth guy. Uh, you're a North Carolina boy. Did you ever come down here uh, when you were a kid? Or was it like Greensboro uh, or any, anything? Only once. I played the MCI Junior Heritage one year, uh, but that was about it. Okay, what, what was, uh, did you go to any PGA Tour events as a kid, like locally? Uh, I went to the, the Greensboro tournament when I was 16. That was the first time I went. Okay, do you have any family here this week? Uh, they're coming down, yeah. They're coming down, yeah. I yeah. saw you have four kids. How do you manage all that? Uh, I have a great wife. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She 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 does all the hard work, and um, we have a lot of fun together. Okay, you finished twentieth last week at the Masters. How uh, many takeaways from that? How did you feel on the course? Then coming into this week, off of that. Um, again, last week was a little bit up and down. I played really nice on the weekend. Shot seven under on the weekend. Um, just got off to a bad start last week. Um, and if it wasn't for that first round, I think I would have had a lot better Masters. But all in all, good learning experience and a good week. Do you have any favorite events on tour or favorite courses? Uh, this is one of them. Uh, this is one of my favorite courses, favorite events. Uh, love my home tournament, the Wells Fargo. And obviously love the golf course because I'm a member there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and last question, Ryder Cup coming up. Is that a big thing on your radar? How much do you think about that? Um, yeah, I mean... I think about it more in the second half of the year when, uh, you know, you're winding down, you're getting towards the playoffs, the majors are done. Uh, it's something that I definitely think about and definitely want to make. I, I love my experiences on team events. Has a good mindset on life. Um, I will point out that there were girls just, like, scoffing at how cute they thought Webb was. <laughs> so that was – I was hoping it was me they were scoffing for, but I don't even know if scoffing is the right word. But they were, they were looking at Webb. Let's just put it that way. Anyways, then on Friday, uh, I talked to Bryson in the media room, but it was more about I wanted to, to get the you know the fan experience, the course experience, uh, what it was like to be there uh, for the week. It's one of the favorite tournaments of the players, and it's one of the favorite tournaments of the fans, and it's one of the best courses on tour. So I really wanted to document that. So if you wouldn't mind indulging me in just taking like 20 minutes to read my blogs from the week, I would recommend starting on Monday. There's lots of little funny storylines, lots of videos, lots of pictures, lots of audio, good stuff. I'll, like I said, I'll drop a few of those uh, little quick interviews in here for the podcast for people that didn't have a chance to read the blogs. But if you do, I would really appreciate that. Uh, love any feedback as always. Moving on from the RBC. Well, I will <laughs> should probably mention who actually won the event. Uh, yeah, Bryson was leading after 36 holes. I was really hoping he was going to win. Not only because he's a nice guy, but I also put a bet on him earlier in the week because I just, he was... Impressive in his practice rounds, so that almost paid off, uh, but it didn't. 
the winner. He went to a playoff between Siwoo Kim. You'll remember him from winning the Players' Championship a couple years ago. And Satoshi, I'm probably going to butcher this name, but Satoshi Kodaira, Kodaira, K-O-D-A-I-R-A. I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I've never heard of him. I didn't even want to look it up because it shows. I'm a huge golf nerd, and I didn't know this guy. I've never heard of him. From just outside 20 feet, Satoshi Kodaira with the birdie on the third extra playoff hole. Rhode Island at Harbour Town Golf Links. And that young man from Tokyo, Japan, is extremely happy. After the event, I obviously looked up kind of who he is. He is pretty well uh, established on the Asian Tour, and he's won a bunch worldwide. He's a top 50 ranked guy worldwide. So it's not, when you look at it in that perspective, it's not completely shocking, but I did not expect that. I couldn't say I saw the guy once a week. Um, Bryson, Bryson and Luke List finished a shot back of that in third. Um, would have been nice for the event if one of those guys would have been able to pull through. Um, but that's okay. I'm happy that Ian Poulter, he was winning going into the final round. It really looked like he had the game and the mental fortitude to win this event. And I was just like, ah, oh, of course, friggin' Poulter going to win. Going to go Reed and then Poulter, two PJ Tour winners in a row, my least favorite two guys on tour. But Poulter collapsed having five bogeys on his last nine to fall out of it. So that, if nothing else, that made my week. I mentioned I'm going to talk about the Masters. I'm not going to go into it too much. I just, I've been ripping on Patrick Reed a lot over the last two weeks. One more perfect read. Will it be his life-changing moment? Yes, it will. Captain America captures Augusta. As you imagine Dragons would say, welcome to the new age, to the new age. And some people have been asking me why. Some people agree. Some people just don't like the way he looks. Uh, he is fat. Um, and now I've been seeing him out at Knicks games, at Houston Rockets games or whatever. He's he's everywhere, which for a guy that is antisocial and doesn't do anything the second he wins to be everywhere, that sort of sums up a little bit why I don't like Patrick Reed. But it, it goes a lot deeper than that. I mean, when Jordan Spieth won, he was everywhere. Whenever Anyone that wins the Masters, they're sort of, they sort of go on this media tour. So I'm not going to hold that specifically against Patrick. It's just seeing that smug look in that green jacket. It just, it's going to get me every time. But it's more so, it goes back, really. It started disliking him. He won the Doral when it was still Trump's, at Trump's course. He won, and he right away, you know, said that he's, he's a top five player in the world, and he's just as good as anyone out there, blah, blah, blah. So that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, including me, because he had just gotten out on tour. Then we started seeing stories about how he got kicked out of one college, almost got kicked out of another college, the only reason he stayed at Augusta State was because he was so good and he was winning events. So the team was like, okay, we got to keep him on. But they had a vote to kick him off the team. And they chose, the players wanted to kick him off the team. Also got busted for stealing a uh, very expensive Scotty camera putter and some cash. Uh, his lie was just terrible. He's got, yeah, he's got caught cheating. He's got kicked off. He just has a history of not getting along with people and choosing to be okay with, I mean, I guess it takes some strength, but just choosing to be the villain and choosing, you know what, I'm not going to try and be friendly or I'm not going to try and be a good guy. I don't care. I'm just going to do my own thing. Some may say that's a good thing, but that's just not the way I go about it. That's not the way I like people to be. Um, and the further that, this story came out about his family. They were, at, they were at Augusta to see their son try and win the Masters. They, they live close by. They had a house that they rented while he was at Augusta State, and he didn't talk to them all week. In fact, he's been estranged from them for years, going back to his now wife, I believe, 
Um, they were engaged when Patrick was 22 and she's 26. So she's four years older than him. And his parents pulled him aside. And, you know, you're kind of young. You might want to think about this. And he told his fiance, and they haven't had contact with the family since. Now, there's been some slight rumors that there is stuff that happened in Patrick's childhood. Now, I don't know about that. That could that could be a game changer. But, uh, for example, there was an event. I don't think it was the Masters, but there was an event recently where Patrick was in contention. Could have even been the Ryder Cup when, where Patrick makes his, hey, that's where he became famous, basically. And uh, his family was there to watch. They tried following him, and whether it was Patrick or his wife, someone had them escorted by police off the premises. His own family. So there's just a lot of things that point to Patrick not being a good guy. And with golf being such a, you know, it's a gentleman's sport. It's it's about doing the right thing. It's about playing by the rules, all of that stuff. Um, I just don't like Patrick Reed. I just don't like him. I don't like Ian Poulter for much the same reason, that arrogance that I'm better than everyone. Poulter had a similar quote back uh, in Tiger's heyday when he said, uh, when I'm playing my best, it's, it's just me and Tiger. It's never been anyone in Tiger. It was just Tiger. Um, Tiger jokingly referred to him as number two for years and not because the number two ranking. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a little bit about why I hate Patrick Reed. So I was not happy to see him win the Masters. I will say, though, there's this... I, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit because I did just say it's this gentleman's sport. He's supposed to do the right thing. But as a fan, um, I think they're... You're supposed to root for everyone in golf. You're supposed to clap for all good shots. But that just goes against everything in every other sport. Everything in every other sport. It doesn't, in hockey, like I'm a huge Leafs fan. I'm not rooting for the Bruins to have a good game. I'm rooting for the Bruins to suck. I'm rooting for the Leafs to do well and the Leafs to absolutely demolish the Bruins as much as they possibly can. So for the most part, I do root for most of the guys on the PGA Tour. But to say we don't have a rooting interest... When it's coming down the stretch, Jordan Spieth is putting together, together a record final round in the Masters. Ricky Fowler, a, one of the best guys on tour, hasn't won a major. He's right there playing well. And Patrick Reed is just kind of plodding along, holding the lead. Absolutely, I'm rooting for Patrick Reed to collapse. Just like last year, a lot of people were rooting for Sergio Garcia to collapse. It's just, I think if you're rooting for everyone, you're rooting for no one. And I don't root against a lot of guys, but well, it, sometimes it's just a no-name guy that I don't want to see win a big event. Sometimes it's a guy that I don't like who he is. Sometimes it's just a guy that's going up against... If, no matter who it is that's playing against Tiger, I'm going to be rooting against that player. I mentioned it. Corey Connors, now one of my favorite players on tour, a couple weeks ago, I was rooting against him because he was standing between Tiger and a win. Now it ended up being Paul Casey that got that win. But that's sort of the way I think should be. Uh, I know there's a bit of pushback on that, but that's, that's at least how I go. And again, there's not too many guys that I root against, but Poulter and Reed. Can't do it. Another thing from the Masters, I'm not going to go into too much, uh, but this is the last thing I'll touch on, was Tiger. Yeah, we were all a little bit fooled on Tiger. Um, and Tiger's back to his stated goal of even. He said it'd be even better if he could just somehow sneak into the red numbers. Tiger finishes off his round. Six birdies, one eagle, one highly anticipated comeback. In the books, one over for the Masters. In hindsight, makes sense. You know, there's Packers talk about it. There's there's practicing. There's there's hitting balls on the range, and then there's bringing bringing that game to the course. And then there's bringing that game to a tournament. 
and then there's bringing that game into contention, and then there's bringing that game into a major, and then there's bringing that game into a major contention. So there's so many steps that a player has to go on. We're just accustomed to seeing Tiger not follow, or not, not necessarily not follow, but Tiger's not normal. As a golf fan growing up, Tiger wasn't normal. So to see him go through the normal progression of things, we want to skip a few steps because we want that Tiger that we all love. But you know what? He didn't do too badly. He made the cut. He finished, I don't know, in the top 40, which for Tiger, awful. But we can't compare him to what he used to be. The tour is different. He's different. Uh, he committed to the U.S. Open. That's not necessarily the best setup for him, uh, especially at Shinnecock. But, hey, we'll take it. Six months ago, eight months ago, we would have been foaming at the mouth to hear that he played in four rounds in the Masters. Um, he's playing in the U.S. Open. He's committed to a couple other events. So let's just let's just keep rolling with Tiger. I, I'm not too obviously. It was disappointing that he wasn't didn't even have a shot. Um, pretty much after Thursday, he didn't really have a shot. Hoping that he could pull together some crazy round on Friday or Saturday, but he didn't. And uh, all things considered, it wasn't that terrible of a week. And moving on, still behind Tiger. I still. Like I would bet a lot of money that he will win a tournament this year, whether it's a major or not. He will win this year at least once, and uh, time will tell when that is. Interesting story that came out last week. Um, I saw it when I was in South Carolina, and I don't know if I would have seen it otherwise. Um, but game four of a couple series, I believe it's the Predator series and the Shark series, they're being aired on the Golf Channel. This is pretty much the perfect crossover story for me because... They're my two favorite sports. Uh, but as someone that works and lives in Canada, and I work for Sportsnet, which broadcasts all the hockey games in Canada, well, along with CBC. Some of, the, some of them are TSN, but Sportsnet's the, the rights holder to it all. And I, I'm, I'm torn here because on one hand, I'm so shocked and so disappointed that the NHL has that little of a following in the U.S. that... It's one thing when it's on OLN, the Outdoor Life Network, which has nothing to do with hockey. But the golf channel, like you're on another sports channel for a playoffs. I mean, there's not really a, any positive that you can take out of this for the NHL. Are they going to be on the NFL Network next? Because a lot of people watch the NFL Network. I mean, it's, I, I just don't get it. I mean, how? where in their meetings did they... Were the NHL having, did they decide that they're going to do this? It, it doesn't make sense. And the only thought I had was, okay, well, the other there's other games at night and the other hockey stations are going to be taken. No, they're not. They're none of the other NHL network, NBC. They're not showing games that night. They chose to put these games on the Golf Channel. And, I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, there's going to be disappointed golf fans because they're going to be wanting to watch the golf channel and they're going to have to watch playoff hockey. There's going to be obviously disappointed hockey fans because they're going to be wanting to, they're not going to know to look on the golf channel unless they see it somewhere. Luckily, the local broadcast will pick it up. So if you're in San Jose, Anaheim, Nashville, or Colorado, you're not going to have to do this. But I mean, the rest of the U.S., that's like, so I was just, when I was in South Carolina watching the games, I would have to ask, you know, if you put the Leafs game on, on uh, that TV, I believe it's on NBC, SN, whatever the case. I can't imagine going into a bar and saying, hey, can you put on the uh, Preds game? It's on the golf channel. Like, it just, it doesn't, doesn't compute. But luckily, not my country. I learned that a lot last week, saying to myself, hey, it's not my country. Another thing coming out of the tour is that Jay Monahan, the PJ Tour Commissioner, 
He wants legal betting on the tour. I couldn't agree more with this take because people are betting anyways. It's not like people aren't. What better way? We've seen a lot of rise in the young young people watching golf because of daily fantasy sports, DraftKings, things like that. Um, I can't imagine being at an event and being able to put down a wager there. Um, you know, standing behind the sitting in a the skybox or whatever you want behind the 18th green, they can have like tablets. You know, pick player in a group that you think's gonna gonna shoot the best score in this hole, whatever the case may be. Uh, add a little horse racing bit of it into there. Um, I don't think they're actually thinking of going that far with it, but I mean, the sky's the limit. I think the fact that the PGA Tour commissioner, he just got in a few months ago, he's done a lot of things uh, that are progressive, and I like this move. I think it's it's sort of a no-brainer because, what, are you going to... People are, as I said, people are betting online for these things anyway, so uh, if you want to make it legal betting on tour, uh, I'm all for it. Fox Sports, they've been the rights holder for the US Open the last couple of years. Uh, sort of mixed reviews, whether it's um, strange personnel, I guess you could say, on the broadcast. Um, a moment that stands out to me is they had Greg Norman on, which this isn't a strange personnel moment, but they had Greg Norman on the year at Chambers Bay when uh, DJ collapsed, giving it to, not really say collapsed, but three-putted on the last hole from like eight feet to hand the title to Jordan. And uh, the notorious choker or guy that's given up big leads in majors or knows how it feels, if nothing less, knows exactly how it feels to have one slip right through your fingers is Greg Norman. And uh, they didn't even ask him about it. And he was sitting right there in the booth. Um, they have Joe Buck calling it, which I'm actually not going to lie. Everyone is really, really hard on Joe Buck. Everyone hates Joe Buck. I feel like I'm the only person in the world that doesn't mind Joe Buck. Uh, I'm not, I don't love him calling golf, but I, I, I respect him. And I think he... Uh, has a good voice, and I don't mind him calling baseball at all. I think there's certain times in big moments where he doesn't exactly exactly capture the moment, but uh, we're seeing here, I'm noticing in in the playoffs with hockey, I mean, we there's not that many iconic broadcasters anymore. We lost, didn't lose Bob Cole, knock on wood that we don't for a long time, um, but he's not calling playoff games this year. He was the voice of pretty much every Canadian's hockey listening uh, growing up. Now, he's not calling playoff games anymore, uh, there's not that many iconic broadcasters in the sporting landscape with those voices that just transport you. Uh, I'm not saying that Joe Buck is, but I do like his voice, and I, do, I don't I do mind him. Um, so that's not a huge problem for me. But anyways, I say all this to say Fox is airing 45 hours of coverage this year at the U.S. Open. They're going to have the qualifier. They're going to have some stuff during the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then they're just airing basically like 9.30 to 7. They're airing all day, which this is amazing. This, uh, it's another no-brainer thing. Almost like Fox is responsible for the shot tracker, which is amazing. It's the one great, great thing that's come out of these Fox broadcasts. And they do it, like, everywhere. The the pro tracer on the ball where they hit the tee shot, you see the, the line. And then you see on the side of the screen where it's going in reference to the hole. Uh, so they're airing all this coverage, which after the Masters, when you couldn't turn it on, I mean, luckily it had online streams. But when you couldn't turn start watching coverage, network coverage, which had – you can only watch – specific groups you couldn't watch the actual tournament until three o'clock every day i mean come on that's ridiculous guys are teeing off at 9 a.m uh, big name guys in the majors and we can't and we got money on them you got rooting interests uh and you can't watch till three o'clock and you have like a three-hour window to get all this in way too much being missed um way too many people complaining so another sort of no-brainer move but it's really really good to see this is going this way and hopefully fox doing this 
will push other networks to do it. Not often that I praise Fox, but hey, can't uh, can't complain about this one. One more brief thing until I go into this week's event. This uh, this week's event this week um, is I just want to mention. So Brooke Henderson won. Uh, I, I did already mention Nick Taylor um, doing the donation for Humboldt, and Brooke, Ta- Brooke Henderson won her sixth PJ Tour event on the weekend in Hawaii, and she dedicated the win to the Humboldt Broncos and the victims of that horrible, horrible bus crash. A six win on tour. Um, it's really amazing, and I really couldn't have done it without Britt. Um, and, you know, there's also been that really bad accident that happened a couple of weeks ago, I guess, last week uh, in Saskatchewan. And, you know, I just tried to stay strong for them, and, you know, I'd like to dedicate this win to them as well. So that's really nice to see Canadians doing this. Um, very, I'm going to say typical Canadian but uh, I think we can all agree that as horrible, horrible, horrible this tragedy was, the one silver lining we've seen is just how amazingly Canadians can come together. All right, this week on the PJ Tour, we have the Valero Texas Open at TPC San Antonio. I'm just trying to pull up my email now because I have my picks and all that stuff. Um, bear with me for a second here. Anyways... While I pull that up, this week's event is the Valero Texas Open. It is at TPC San Antonio in, yes, San Antonio, Texas. There are six out of the top 30 players in the World Golf Rankings. Um, Kevin Chappell won this event last year. He was on my spreadsheet, but I took him off late. Uh, Not because he was mean to me last week. Actually, I respect him just giving me a straight up no last week. But just because he missed the cut and he he didn't look like he was playing very well. Uh, he has a good history at this course, but didn't look like he was playing too well. Um, so going through the the field, the stats that I think are going to be important this week, uh, it's, a, it's a relatively long course, some par fives, things like that. Um, so I think strokes gain T to green. Well, you know what? I'll just put it in my blog because I, I can't think off the top of my head of all the, all the important stats. But I crunched the, the stats, the cuts made recently. Recent strokes gained, recent finishes, tournament strokes gained, tournament history, whether or not guys have Texas ties. Yeah, so my top five guys this week, um, number one definitely is Luke List. He stands out in all categories. He's number one in, in my stats ranking. Six, I uh, seven categories in my uh, in the in the stats, and he's a top ten in six of them. He's first place in two of them. He's made twelve out of fifteen cuts this year, eight straight. Um, he's gained 28.64 strokes gained recently in his last five or six events, which is very impressive. Uh, recently finishing third, 24th, 7th, and 16th. That third last week was a stroke out of the playoff. Uh, and at the tournament, he hasn't fared that well. His, his top in the last three years is the 29th, and he does not have Texas ties. But, I mean, Lucas just looks poised to come in here and at least put up a top five. Uh, Charlie Hoffman's my second pick. Um... And then, I mean, it's pretty spread out after that. I like Cheston Hadley. Um, and then two Texas guys, Ryan Palmer. Palmer's not playing that well lately, but he has really good history of this course. And, of course, he's a Texas guy. And then Bo Hostler, Um, He's played well recently, and he's a Texas kid, so I like him. Some more dark horse guys, Keegan Bradley, Jamie Lovemark, Keith Mitchell, Kevin Tway, and Abraham Answer. Abraham is a Texas guy. So, uh, yeah, three Texas guys in my, uh, like, ten and uh, some others. I will have a blog out with much more details on why I'm picking these guys, what the ski stats are, more information about the tournament, um, 
didn't go too in-depth this week just because I wanted to get all stuff off my chest from RBC and talk freely without having to look at notes and all that. So that it will be about it for this week's podcast. Uh, sort of just shot from the cuff this week, a few quick notes, but... Um, yeah, hopefully, it's, uh, hopefully you enjoyed listening. Uh, follow me on Twitter at RJMCCULLOUGH. Let me know what you think. Uh, hopefully you read those blogs. If not, read them. Let me know what you think on those too. And uh, thanks for listening to Teeing Off. I'll talk to you next week.